It's time for another episode of Chasing Greatness. And man, we got a great episode for you today. My good friend Mark Miller is joining us again. You know he's been with us a couple times over the last couple of months. He usually checks in with us and we had a great conversation. We've chopped that up a little bit for you. And today is going to be really, uh, it's just going to be a cool episode. So it, some of you are new to our podcast. We talk about what it means to maximize our potential to be the best we can be. But Chasing greatness is not just about you being great. It's really about helping the people around you be great as well, to build a great organization, a great team, great families, great communities, all kind of great opportunities that we have to, to chase greatness, to see how good we can be. I love the old Latin word. Actually, I think Mark is the first one that told me about this word. It's quantuvus, and it means as great as you choose. So how good do you want to be this week? This episode is designed to help you uh, maximize your opportunity this week. So uh, Mark is joining us, and I'm so excited about him being with us. Mark is the Vice President of High Performance Leadership at Chick-fil-A. you probably heard of Chick-fil-A. It's a great uh, restaurant chain here in the U.S., and I know many of you are listening around the world, but but uh, Chick-fil-A is one of, the, one of the places in the U.S. that we all love to go and eat. It's just a fun place to go. Mark uh, does some of the leadership development there. He's he's really been a great thought leader for that organization for almost 40 years. And so uh, you're going to get a, a peek into our conversation uh, that we recently had about some of the things we're talking about here. So today I had a chance to ask Mark, or you're going to get a, a chance to hear this conversation I had, where I ask him about chasing greatness, really what it means. That's, that's where we're going to start here, is I ask him that, how he defined that, and, and you get to hear some of his perspective on that. And then a couple other things we talked about today I think will be helpful to you as we talked about his schedule, some of his routines, some of the things he has built into his life to help him stay energized and, and be the leader he needs to be. And then finally today, I think some of you are in organizations or you're leading teams where you're trying to ensure the engagement of your people. And uh, Mark and I had a conversation at the end about what it what we need to do to build engagement among our people. And we, we, there's a little secret that you're going to get to hear about today that I think will uh, be helpful to you. So uh, check out our conversation that we had. I hope you uh, get some good little nuggets out of this. I know you will. And I'll, and I'll be back with you just in a few minutes. Well, I think the majority of your audience are leaders, the assumption I make. Um, I think Jesus answered that question in Matthew chapter 20 when his disciples wanted positions of leadership. And he told them they didn't understand leadership. He said, those of you that want to be great, they're talking about leadership. Those right. who want to be great leaders have got to be willing to become servants. Mm. And so I think the greatest leaders are always motivated by a heart to serve. Now, they still have to have leadership skills. Right, servant leadership is not the same as being a servant. You've got to you've got to couple the right heart with the right behaviors, and I think that's your only shot at greatness. And and the metaphor you've used to talk about this is the iceberg. Right, there's this disproportionate amount of stuff going on underneath the waterline as opposed to right above, and 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 this idea of being a servant leader. I think the way you wrote about it in, in the heart of leadership was that, that they think others first. There, there is this almost um, racing to the back of the line mindset for the best leaders. Can you say more about that? Yeah, let me give you a quick backstory on where that iceberg came from. 
uh, when Ken Blanchard and I wrote The Secret, his publisher was delighted, and they said, we'll release it in two years <laughs> because of all kind of stuff. And Ken said, well, I think this draft's pretty good. Why don't we self-publish some copies just to give away? Yeah. So we printed about 10,000 copies to give away, and which interestingly enough, was the seventh draft, as I recall. And so we're, we printed these books and we're giving them away. And one night at my home, I got a call from a stranger. Don't know who, to this day, who this person was. Don't know how they got my phone number. And they said, I just read your book and I want you to know it's awful. <laughs> and I said, well, thank you, ma'am. I appreciate that candid feedback. Can you tell me why it's awful? Because we haven't really published it yet, right. and maybe I can make it better. And she says, you totally missed it. And, you know, we had spent a couple of years yeah, you've been doing working the research before we ever started writing. Yeah. And I said, well, ma'am, how did we miss it? And she said, You're not, you don't even mention what's most important about leadership. And I'm sitting there thinking, I have no idea what she's talking about. I said, well, ma'am, just please tell me, what did we miss? And she said, well, you missed leadership character. And I said, oh, I said, that's a given. She said, well, that may be a given at Chick-fil-A, but that's not a given in the real world. <laughs> and she said, you can't write a leadership book that doesn't acknowledge the importance of leadership character. Wow. Well, here's the deal. That book, it's not about character. Right, it's about It's skills. about the skills. Yeah, it's about the fundamental so skills. So we went back, and in the eighth draft of the book, which is ultimately was published, right, the book. we added a couple of pages at the very beginning where we, we inserted the picture of an iceberg. Okay. And we said, just like an iceberg, about 10% of leadership is above the waterline. Those are the skills. And the 90% below is character, leadership character. They're both critical. They're absolutely essential. By the way, this book is not about character. Yeah. It's to almost let the audience like know that we knew that so that we can have permission to talk about skills. How many leaders, though, have we seen implode their leadership, not because they forgot how to hit a fastball or not ride a bicycle or handle the stock market or deliver a speech or politically, I mean, preachers. I mean, we've seen all kind of people forfeit their leadership because they undervalued character. What are some things we can do to make sure that our character is intact, especially the longer we go, it feels like the stakes get higher and higher Talk to us about that, Mark. Well, I, I got two thoughts. Um, what you're referencing or what I hear in your question is what we call foundational character. Mm. I actually think that is essential, but that's not leadership character. Because when you talk about character, most people think, well, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, right. which is true. But, but when you think about it in an organizational context, do you just want your leaders not to lie, cheat, and <laughs> you steal? You don't want anybody lying, cheating, You don't cheat, want anybody steal. doing that. Yeah. So foundational character is top to bottom. You want that for everybody. Top yeah. to bottom. But leadership character, if you think about the word character, it's the marks on an individual's life and behavior. Yeah. Like, so leaders are different. Yeah. And they have different character traits. And so we actually ended up writing about that in the heart of leadership, yeah. about some core uh, heart habits. Yeah. For leaders. Yeah. And so as you, uh, you, you talked a moment ago about this idea of thinking others first, there are a couple more there, uh, you know, being teachable, having a great attitude, you know, accepting responsibility for your action. All, all, they're yeah. built around that heart. Mm -hmm. That's great. But 
but they're not just like, let's check the box. We got that. This is that you and I talk about this in our content. We call it a leader's journey that it, it doesn't, it doesn't get necessarily any easier even over right. time. It's, it's something you have to continually right. pay attention to that character. You've always piece. got to lead self. You've always got to lead others. You yeah. probably are going to always have to lead teams. And given as, as your scope and responsibilities increase, you will always be uh, wearing that hat of an organizational leader for, yeah. for many of your listeners. Yeah, that's great. So, uh, so we talked a little bit about chasing greatness. What are some things personally, I know people love to hear this kind of stuff. What are some things that you do to try to maximize your potential? Like what are some, you got some habits, routines, things that you, you know, in, in your life that you think are important for you? Um, uh, maybe I'll, I'll take a shot at this. I am not a person that, um, appreciates routine. Maybe it's a character defect. I don't know. Uh, I don't really have a typical day and can't ever remember having a typical day. Now, there are some things that I have tried to discipline myself to do over time, and they, they vary from season to season, but they're, I'm not a highly regimented person. So it's not like I know people, I know leaders, and they can tell you, you have a daily any, ritual, any whatever part of the day, they can tell you what they're going to do. Right. Um, but with, with that disclaimer... You do have a calendar. With that disclaimer. <laughs> oh, I have a very full calendar, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I try to use my time very strategically. Right. So that's one of my disciplines that I, I, I wish I had grasped earlier. It, it may be the closest thing to what you're asking, is uh, about five years ago or so, um, I began tracking my time completely. What I have done for decades is from time to time to track my time. I got that idea from Peter Drucker, who in 1966, I think, said that leaders at least twice a year should track two weeks of their time. Just it's a reality check. Like, are you using your time the way you think you're he using your time? He wrote about know thy time in the effective executive. Exactly. By the way, go get that book too, if you haven't you read that, that one. Too. And so again, I've, I've always found that to be a helpful discipline and I've done it on and off for years and years and years, but about five years ago, I started tracking all of my time. But not just tracking, because although I think there is value in tracking, tracking is looking in the rearview mirror. So uh, I went and said, okay, what are the core roles that I need to fulfill? And how much of my time do I want to allocate to each of those roles? And so for five years, at least, we have attempted to strategically build my calendar toward those targets. And you, you literally have days, buckets that, yes. you, that you would yes. think yes. this way. And, yes. And, yeah. and then every month we do an accounting, which is the tracking. Right. And then we can actually make adjustments because then we're looking at it year to date and we look at it on an annual basis. How much of my time did I spend collaborating? How much of my time did I spend creating? How much of my time did I spend communicating? Those types of buckets. Uh, so that discipline has been very, very helpful for me uh, over the last five years. A couple more things I'll mention, I think, that get to your question. Um, as you know, I'm part of a group that I've been part of now for 22 years. I think it's 22. This may be 23. And we've been studying leadership. 
yep. twice a month with very few exceptions for 23 years. Uh, and so that, I guess that counts as a discipline yeah. of some sort. Yeah. Um, I have been hit or miss my entire life on a daily morning routine. I've been better during COVID. I, I love that. Um, and I, I don't have the personal discipline pre-COVID when I'm going to be on a 6 a.m. flight and I'm getting up at 4 a.m. I haven't historically said, oh, I'm going to get up at three instead yeah. and spend an hour getting my day ready. Yeah. And so, uh, but that's been a real good discipline for the last year is that personal time every morning. Uh, yeah, that's great. So uh, talk a little bit about how you stay energized as a leader. I, I watch you. You're now in your 60s, right? You're 61 or two. You're somewhere in that vicinity. Somewhere. You're, you've been going for a while. Uh, and, and yet uh, your energy to me feels as high as you, you're probably not as energetic as you were when you were 11, but when you're p- trying to figure out how to play catcher, but maybe you are, I don't know. I've not really seen a dip. How, how does, what can, what can we do to stay energized as leaders talk? I mean, everybody's got to kind of figure out what, you know, works for them, but what are some things you do? I, I know you've, you, you go hard on your calendar, but you, you play hard too. I mean, there's, there's things that you do that are, yeah. Yeah. That are energizing you talk about, about yeah, that. Well, bit. I think every person, leader or not, should know the things that give them energy and know the things that drain them. Now, that does not mean that we can fill our calendars with only the energy givers and eliminate all of the energy, you know, zappers or whatever. Yeah. But an awareness is the first place to start. And um, there may be people that really drain you and you may want to spend less time with them. There may be activities. There probably are activities that would give you energy and give you life, mm. and you need to make that happen. I mean, recreation is a discipline, yeah. and it's one that I've been hit or miss my entire life, but I think we need to figure that out as leaders, that self-care. The hardest leadership of the world, I said it before, is self-leadership. But if we can't lead ourselves, we're going, it's going to be impossible to lead anyone else. Yeah. Uh, I think we need to manage our energy. Are we getting enough sleep? How's our diet? How's our exercise? Stuff that I hate, right? I'd rather not sleep. I'd rather eat pizza. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to exercise, but I'm a better leader when I do those things. I can serve better. And ultimately, that's what I'm supposed to be living for. Yeah. Yeah. And so those are things that we can do. Those are choices we can make. Well, I was going to say, those are, those are, go back to what you said a moment ago. Those are self leadership things. And your friend, Henry Cloud, he he uses, he has this line, you're ridiculously in charge. Like those are things you you get to decide whether you're going to have pizza every night or sleep every night or whatever, any of those things you talk about. You get to decide. And then sometimes we, we find ourselves blaming, you know, I don't have enough of this or that. And honestly, a lot of times I bring that on myself, right? Yeah, well, you do. And sometimes it's, it's, um, it's not near-term actions, but long-term. Let me, Con- let me see if I can say Long-term consequences, maybe. Well, but let me say it differently. It may not be that I just, I didn't sleep last night and I pulled an all-nighter and that makes a bad day. Well, why did you pull an all-nighter? Maybe it's because you haven't been developing your team for the last five years and you're doing their job. <laughs> or maybe it's because you don't have role clarity or whatever, whatever, whatever. Now, I'm not saying we don't all find ourselves in situations where it gets hard and it gets challenging. And that's part of, that's part of what we signed up for as leaders. But if you're in a sustained period of stress and duress, then, then something's not right. Yeah. And it may be of your own making or 
even circumstantial, but those are the kind of things that you've got you to face those things. Yeah, so one of the things we, we've actually written a little bit about this together is that the best leaders are, or maybe the best leaders is the wrong way to say it, but really great leaders are quick to share credit when things go right, and then they're very quick to accept responsibility when things are not so right. I, I recently heard a story uh, about Eli Manning, who was the quarterback for the Giants, just retired, and, and they said that he hated press conferences, but one of the things he did was after every time they won a game, he, he didn't meet with the media. And, and his statement was, I'm going to get the credit. They know we won, and, and, it, and let's let the other guys meet with the media and enjoy that. But every time they lost, he was quick to go to the podium. And so I, I think that's a great picture for us. You've, you've talked about this. You've written about it, this, this idea of – of sharing credit when things go right, accepting responsibility when they don't go right. The way I think you've defined it, we've taught this and talked about it, is the leader's willing to accept responsibility for his or her actions and the actions of those they lead. What benefit, it, what benefit is it to an organization? Maybe somebody's listening who, who – this would be a real gift to their organization if they would flip that perspective and be a little more celebratory when things are going right and a little more – you know, accountable when things are not so right. Can you, a little different direction here, but talk to us about that. Well, I think the engagement of your people, which, which we define as how much they care, that is the last domino that has to fall if you're ever going to be great as an organization is the people really have to care. Now, you got to do more than that, but if you, they don't care, that's the gate that keeps you from greatness. Right. And If they don't care, they're not going to be aligned. They're not going to execute they're not gonna all those anything. things. I mean, they, they got, you got right? to, yeah. And if you look at Gallup's work, 70% of the American workforce is disengaged at work. Well, it's no wonder we encounter so many crappy goods and services because the people don't care. I just read a, a, a new Gallup thing, 200,000 people interviewed 150 different countries, and it's up to 85% now of people that are fully disengaged at work. Yeah. So, which is crazy. So, so the reason it matters, I mean, I don't want to oversimplify. Engagement is, is complicated. But to your point about am I going to take credit and blame you, well, what's that do to your engagement? Yeah, I don't want to follow you. However, uh, let's pretend I've done a few other things right and I'm actually praising you and I'm taking responsibility. When I know, I'm sitting over here knowing it was my fault and you yeah. take, yeah, yeah, that's wild. So so I think one of the reasons to do that. That's when I want to run through a wall for is, you, really. Is, that engagement, like you're talking is about. engagement, because yeah. it is so critical. A lot of organizations can't execute and they don't know why. I mean, there could be any number of reasons, but one of them that is often the culprit is their people don't care. That's yeah. why you can't execute. Not that you don't have a great system, not that you don't have great process, not that you don't even maybe have really good people. But if they don't care, they're not going to use the systems, they're not going to follow the process, and you're not going to get the outcome you're looking for. I hope you found that as helpful as I did. Man, Mark's perspective, his wisdom, so much insight there into what it means to really be a servant leader, to, to not just to be a leader out front, but to make sure that you are serving from the back of the line. You have this mindset that you're thinking others first. That was so fantastic. And then a couple other things. He talked about just monitoring your calendar. I mean, I love his perspective on just doing that time audit, going all the way back to Peter Drucker, learning that from him, but Mark tracking all of his time and, 
And and I would ask you as you go into this next few days of, of the week, and really we're almost halfway through the year as you begin to think about the second half of the year. June will be over here in just a few weeks. And, and as you get to those halftime adjustments, we're going to start a series next week actually to help you kind of reset some of those things or or, or reload really some t- toward the end of the year. But but as you begin to think about your time, have you been using your time correctly this first half of the year? Have you, the, as you think about it, is it the highest and best use of your time, your daily activities? So we'll we'll talk about that some as we go forward. I love Mark's perspective on that, really tracking his time, having a group of people that, uh, that we've got around us to help us stay energized, some of those kind of things. So what are you doing to keep yourself energized? I love what he said. You've got to You've got to decide what it is that you need to do to keep you energized. What are the people? What are the recreational activities? What are some of those kind of things? Those are those are really great to think about. And I, and I just encourage you to choose one over the next couple of days. Do something the rest of this week that's going to energize you in a great way, prepare you to have maximum influence as you go forward. And then finally, if you've got a group of people that are dependent upon you, one of the things you can do to drive engagement is to accept responsibility when things don't go so well and when things go well, share credit. Be quick to give them credit. I love that Eli Manning. When we win, I'll let them go to the podium and take the credit for the win. When we lose, I'll be the first one to step up and say, that's on me. And so as you, as a leader uh, or as, as someone who's got influence over others, that would be a great way for you to drive some engagement. There's other ways you can do that as well. I encourage you to, to really think about the people around you. What are you doing uh, to drive the engagement in them? Well, as we as we go into these next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to do a series the rest of the month of June, and we're going to be talking about resetting our lives for this last half of the year. Got some really cool stuff that we're going to help you re- just really reboot, if, if you want to think about it that way. I love the computer. You can just control, alt, delete at times and just kind of wipe everything clean and start over. Sometimes we need to power down and, and reboot. And so that's what we're going to be talking about these next few weeks, some, some areas of your life where you can reset I'm pretty sure you've got some areas in your life where you you really need to take it to the next level. The first half of the year hopefully has been great, but but greatness is is probably a next level for you. And so we're going to talk about how we can can take some of those steps to level up as we go into the rest of the year. If you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's, we gave away a, a free course with the purchase of our Finding Your Way book. I would encourage you to check that out. And if you know somebody, a young person that's really trying to figure out what they're they're going to do with their life or they're stuck right now a little bit, uh, go get that book. And if you will, you're going to get a, a free course. I think it's like a $125 course that you're going to get for free if you just buy the book. And I think the book is actually half price as well. So it's a great deal. You can get that all at randygravit.com. And then let me tell you about Mark's stuff. He was with us today. Uh, really appreciate that. But but I want you to know where you can find him. You can go to markmillerleadership.com. He's got a new site that's up and all kinds of good resources there for you. And then Mark and I, all of our resources we've done together are available at leadeveryday.com. If you've not been able to check out our store, I encourage you to do that. You go over there and look at our books and resources. We've got all kinds of training guides. Mark's books are all there. My books are there. The things I've done with Dan Webster. And uh, then we've got field guides and quick start guides. And I've got a video series, all kinds of stuff over there. So uh, the courses are there. Anything you need, leadeveryday.com is a great place for you to check out those resources to help you grow, not just you, but to grow your leaders in your organization. So I encourage you to check that out. So next week, we're going to be back with you. I encourage you in the meantime to share this with someone else, someone you know who needs a, a, just a shot of encouragement this week. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, download all the stuff, help us grow the channel, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll continue to help you as you chase greatness.